everyone welcome to movement and me an initiative that is designed for budding artists across the world who wish to pursue their career in art i'm your host deharika and on this show you will hear artists talk about their lives and the choices they had to make in pursuit of arts you will also get to use some tips and key learnings from the lives of these artists along with a detailed discussion on their areas of interest so quickly hop on to a journey into the world of arts along with us today's guest is matthew henley matthew started dancing professionally in 1997 he has done various choreographies and has actively advocated advocated for various social causes at the same time he did his bfa from university of texas and further went on to do an mfa from university of washington he has also published number of papers across various dance conferences held in the united states alone he also went on to do a phd in educational psychology learning sciences and human development from university of washington in 2013 As an educator, Matthew has taught various bachelor's, master's, and PhD level courses at both Teachers College, Columbia University, and Texas Women's University. He was also appointed as the assistant editor for JOR, which is Journal of Dance Education, between the years 2015 and 2020. He is currently a co-chair of A and H D Diversity and Community Committee at Teachers College. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Hey Harika, thanks to see you. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you're finally here. It's just been amazing to have educators like you joining us. Um before I jump on to asking the more, you know, specific questions about what you've done so far, <clears throat> I think I want to get started with the first one which is how did you get started with dance? How was the journey been so far and what basically inspired you to get started with dancing in the first place? Yeah, um that's a big question. <laughs> uh yeah, so um when I was growing up, uh my parents really wanted my sister and I to just try a lot of different things. Uh so I growing up played baseball and soccer and did diving and swimming and fencing and played piano and played trumpet and uh did tumbling, I did community theater and my parents um uh just wanted us to try as many different things as possible and and, and I liked a lot of them I liked playing sports cuz it was physical and I liked music cuz it was artistic um uh but none of them I, I never really stuck with any of them right they they were interesting for a while and then I sort of moved on and it was uh when I was in middle school I I started doing theater more regularly I was performing with a um a local theater company that did uh theater for youth Mhm. And then started singing in choir and when I got to high school uh they were doing West Side Story at my high school. Oh wow. And I was like, well, I'm an actor and a singer. I should be in the high school musical. And as part of that they had a a choreography audition, right? You had a dance audition. You had to learn choreography. And I I mean it's so crystal clear to me the moment that I was on the stage at my high school really learning my first piece of modern choreography ever and it was this amazing combination of 
being physical and figuring things out, like with my body, solving problems, feeling physical, but it was also that artistic side where I felt like it was expressive and I could feel myself. And so uh, I really think kind of in that moment, I was probably 16, 15 or 16. Wow. I was like, wow, dance is this wonderful combination of thinking and moving and feeling and it like all comes together. So started dancing in high school. I went to uh, um, University of Arizona, as you mentioned, for my undergrad as a religious studies major, um, but decided while I was there to also get a dance degree. So I did religious studies and dance as my two degrees as an undergraduate. Um, and uh, started while I was there, I also um, joined my first professional company uh, which was a mix of, mo it was a modern dance company that also did uh, trapeze work. Mm -hmm. So in any case, so I was, so, so, fin yeah, so, so uh, was dancing in college, uh, choreographing, dancing with a professional company outside. And then that just sort of launched everything. As I finished undergrad, I moved to New York and danced professionally in New York uh, for about eight years uh, with mm -hmm. several modern dance companies before then going on to grad school. So that's kind of the, the short story. I said that's way shorter because you just sort of, you know, skimmed through it. But don't worry, I have a lot of questions to ask <laughs> anyway. So <laughs> I'm going to grab onto that. Um, you said something very interesting. You said that you found um, this space where you realize that dance makes you think and feel and move all at the same time. And it was just so beautiful that you put it that way. Um, so uh, a question that I want to ask you, which is, uh, going to may sort of answer another question for the audience members um, from the perspective of your journey that you've taken. Uh, what made you go for a, for a master's in, uh, you know, further? Because uh, as an artist and as, as someone who's been in the dance space, studying bachelor's or ma uh, master's in dance is not something that comes naturally as a choice to us. You know, it's just something that some people opt to do, but most of us are always into uh, performing and learning and constantly trying to learn new art forms. But, you know, the idea of getting a degree per se is not something that we actively seek out. So what made you go for a master's and why, uh, how did, you know, how do you think the bachelor's and the master's combined help you in taking your journey one step further? Yeah, great question. I you know, there's some, there's many aspects to that. So one, one aspect is uh, just sort of about life change. You know, I was in New York and I was getting older and was trying to think about, you know, what I wanted in terms of my professional career. Right. Uh, and, you know, as, a, you know, as, um, you know, as a sort of indicated in my undergrad, like religious studies and dance, I've always been interested in how, so I, I fell in love with dance, as I mentioned, but I've always been interested in how other aspects of experience intersect with dance. So, you know, religious having, having a religious studies degree really is about how dance and culture intersect. Like how do cultures tell stories um, in and through dance that help them make meaning in their lives. Uh, and my entire time in New York, I was, dancing, but one of my favorite parts of the dancing and being in companies was when we were in rehearsal and it would be, we would, you know, we would have made a dance and rehearsed it or we were in the process of making it. And my favorite part was always the, like, the sitting around eating lunch, but talking about what was going on in the dance. Like, oh, well, when we ran the dance that time, you were further away from me and it 
totally changed the way I thought about the movement because normally you're close so it feels one way but now you're far away and it feels different and just that that sense that um movement and dance are not just something that we do there's something through which we come to understand the world more deeply mm-hmm. and so for me the it was fulfilling to be on stage it was fulfilling to like be doing the movement but i wanted that movement to sit in a larger world of ideas Right. sit in a larger world of experience and there's all sorts of ways to do that I mean certainly one could just read on one's own and um, or, or talk more to people or move more deeply into a particular practice in order to sort of provide that context but another great way to uh, take what you love and what you think is important and and put it in a broader context is is one one place to do that is is grad school so I wanted to go to grad school and continue to expand that and uh, in, um, in my MFA, and then obviously indicated in my PhD, a lot of that was putting dance and movement and the body in a broader world of psychology and neuroscience and developmental psychology and cognitive psychology. Wow, uh, that's actually a very interesting journey. And something that caught my attention in the, in the conversation that you just had is the fact that you... In- enjoyed the process of creating these choreographies and working with other artists and, you know, sort of sharing experiences. It's a shared space at the end of the day, you know, when you're performing with a group, it's a shared space, but it's just beautiful how your experience in the shared space is different from the others uh, who are participating in the space. And, you know, something that also um, we, uh, the artists are nowadays looking at, especially since COVID has, you know, uh, sort of hit us all so bad is that what happens when you take the audience member from sitting in front of you live and then put them in their comfort zones and then give them to you know get them to watch your performance through a 2d screen what happens to the performance what happens to your art and these are some very important questions because that is essentially going to shape the way the dance is going or arts is going to be perceived in the future as well while there are other modes of communication happening, but this is also one way that we do communicate as humans as well. So that was something that I caught, that caught my attention. Also for anybody who's listening in, you will, um, you will find a link to in the description box that kind of gives you a lot of information on the kind of choreographies that Matthew has been working with or has worked with in the past. Some of them are based on some social causes. Just go ahead, skim through them, watch them and give us your feedback. Also, if you have any questions for Matthew, please put them in the comments below. We will definitely reach out to him and ask him to answer some of them for you. And that will also be one of the ways that we get him back on the podcast. So please feel free to put the comments. Um, on that note, Matthew, what, how important do you think as, as someone who's been in this field, educating and you know teaching and uh, being a part of the entire journey and the process, how important do you think is research for any of the upcoming dancers or even the ones who have already been in this in- industry for a while? Yeah, so, um, you know, I mean, that's actually, I mean, it's sort of directly related to my previous point about um, wanting to take your own practice, take things that are important to you and continue to expand the circles that inform the way that you work. So, you know, research is, uh, I've come to use this term a lot. I really appreciate it. It's from two scholars. So again, it's taking something important to me and putting it in a broader context. So one way to do that is to read 
And there's a really great book called uh, Situated Learning uh, by um, Jean Lave and Etienne Wegner. And in this book, they talk about this idea of communities of practice. And I've really come to love this idea of communities of practice. I try not to even use the word culture anymore. I try to, instead of saying culture, I try to say communities of practice. Mm -hmm. um, and so research itself is a community of practice, right? It has its own norms and its own behaviors and its own language. So as I said, as I said before, it, research is one community of practice that allows you to expand um, the sort of the framing and the types of interactions that you have and the way that you move deeper into your own work. So uh, for me, research has been very important because it gets me uh, reading more, right? So one of these things, so as you join this community of practice, you have to like learn what conversations people are having right. in that community of practice, right? It's like going to a cocktail party and you're like, ooh, what are people, what are people talking about here? Right. And it's so wonderful to go, like you said, like being with other people because it, you have to bounce your ideas off of them and their ideas inform you. And so when you become a researcher, you're sort of joining that conversation and everything that you're thinking about then is, you know, sometimes those conversations happen across decades as you read much older work, or sometimes they happen across years as you publish something, but then you hear from someone else a year later how your work influenced them. So it's this sort of disconnected, asynchronous, um, long-term conversation that might even go back thousands of years as you read, wow. you know, um, literature from a long time ago. So you're joining a conversation. And then the other part um, of this is that research in a really broad sense mm -hmm. simply invites you to slow down and think about what's important to you in, in a more systematic way. All right. Right, that a lot of, there's so many things that we do, we get caught up in the world and the world around us and our practice and we just are like, well, this is how it's always done. This is how you do it. This is what this means. Mm -hmm. And research is a place that invites us to say, well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe everything I've thought or everything I've assumed isn't, isn't exactly right or maybe I need to rethink it or maybe it's changed. So for me, that's what, that primarily is what I have appreciated about research is this invitation to join a community, to be part of an ongoing dialogue, and also this invitation into slowing down and thinking more deeply about the things that matter to us. Wow. So uh, that kind of leads me to my next question. I have so many thoughts on this one as well, but I'm going to hold on to it until you answer the next one. Um, so you talk extensively, you have been in the last three questions about how important research is, right? But you've also been performing and choreographing pieces. And um, I've, I've known and I've heard this from a lot of artists that when they indulge into research, they somehow start having these issues of, you know, understanding where they lie as a choreographer or as an artist, as a performer, because, you know, you always have to, you constantly have to redefine yourself and your lens from where you're coming from as a performer. Uh, and I think the question that I'm wanting to ask is, how are you able to manage the two? Because it's, uh, it seems to be very clear that they, uh, of course, have to work together, but somehow they always are in contradiction as well because of how they are placed in the society and the world at large. So how do you manage them? 
Right. So, um, so this, and you know, so this relates, you know, directly, or one, one could relate it directly to my previous comment. So, um, you know, we could think about um, the world of research, what we might call like social science research or humanities-based research, mm -hmm. or what is sometimes called like scholarly research mm -hmm. in opposition to artistic research, right? There's, I have problems with that dichotomy, but uh, right, that, that, that social science or humanities-based research, written research, right, empirical research, um, is a particular community of practice mm -hmm. um, that when you, um, you know, when you are, as I mentioned, you know, uh, invited to slow down and think about things more deeply, right. there's a particular sort of logic, like there's like, an, we use like inductive logic or deductive logic, and we engage in reasoning. Mm -hmm. And there are these tools through which we sort of, re our experience is uh, more fully revealed to us. Mm -hmm. Dance making is a different community of practice. Correct. Right? Yeah. It, it's also a community of practice that has ongoing conversations, right? So as I, maybe as I make more dances, those dances are in conversation with the previous dances that I've made. Depending on the dance tradition that you're in, you are, might be in conversation with, well, maybe you saw someone else do something in their dance. And so you want to respond to that in the way that you choreograph or the way that you perform, right? So there is, I think there is an ongoing dialogue in the world of dance making, but dance making in a similar way uh, invites us to, to slow down and reveal the human experience to ourselves, right? That we're sort of, we're, we're exploring and it doesn't necessarily follow the same logic as research, right? It's not about like inductive reasoning or deductive reasoning or logic. It might be about intuition or it might be about um, sensation or empathy or communication, mm -hmm. right? So there's a, it follows a different knowledge system. It's a different way of knowing mm -hmm. um, and a different way of thinking, um, but it's still a form of inquiry and a form of communication. So, so I think, so for me, they, um, uh, they both, um, it's like I was saying before, like when I found um, that dance offered this way of uh, being physical, a way of thinking about the world and a way of feeling, right. um, is that, that the dance making and the research, there's a similar thing there where dance sits at the center of them, but going different directions allow me to explore different uh, modes of knowing. And we, uh, we happen to exist you know, being in the academy in particular and being, you know, in sort of the way that the U.S. education system is right. um, built up, a lot of it focuses on that sort of logical linear thinking. Mm -hmm. And we don't often uh, provide as much support or recognition for that other way of knowing, that other knowledge system, which is about intuition and expression and communication. Uh, so for me, it's really important to like hold space for both of those because I know you know, in my own narrative, you know, I said how important both of those things are for me. So it's important for me to carve out time for both of them. Wow, that must actually be a handful because, you know, they both seem to require a completely different state of mind and, you know, mental, like headspace to just accommodate and, you know, interact with. Um, can you talk through us 
um, talk to us because this is something that uh, I've heard from a lot of artists as well because you're actively engaging with it. Can you talk to us about some of the strategies that you employ on the ground to help you uh, get into that zone of thinking or that mode of thinking? Uh, because as um, as I said, as you've said already, <coughs> that you know they both are completely different. Uh, they're different from each other in a lot of respects. Um, so I think what I am actively looking for as well is how do you um, uh, get yourself to think as an artist, as a performer, as a choreographer, versus how you uh, train your mind to think like a researcher, like a writer, and you know somebody who's sort of looking to publish something. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's an interesting question that I don't know if I'll be able to answer, but I'll say some words and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's okay. I think. <laughs> You know, I think, I don't know if this is the, is the right answer, but it's an answer that I have, so we'll see how it goes. But, um, so and maybe, I'll, maybe I'll give an example. So, uh, um, I was thinking a lot about, so there's a, a, a concept from psychology, causality. Like, how do we come to understand how one thing causes another? Right. And um, there's really you know, um, subtle shifts to space and time can cause really different perceptions of causality. So there are these famous experiments where there's like people watch a screen and there's like a little ball on the screen and there's another ball over here mm -hmm. and the ball comes and it like hits this one and it goes away and you're like, did that cause that? And you say, yes. Yeah. The first one caused, but it's like, what happened if this goes like this? Mm -hmm. Would you say that caused it? People still say it caused it because it's like close enough and Right. But like, what if it went like this? Hmm. Would you say this caused this? Well, it's like, no, the timing was too far apart. Right. So this is something that's, that is studied in psychology, right? That right. there's all these experiments and all these things. And I'm like, well, doesn't the same thing happen in dance? Like, doesn't, you know, as I mentioned before, like in the company, like, oh, well, you were further away from me. So the dance felt really different because you were further away or... I was a little late on the music and then all of a sudden the dance was totally different because I was late on the music. Mm. So in some ways we're, dance is all about how spatial and temporal relationships contribute to meaning making and our understanding of the world. So there's sort of a whole psychology side to that but I wanted to explore that in dance making. So um, with my colleague, uh, Sarah, we each created, um, there was a, a central thing around which we were, um, generating movement so a sort of an image that we both created movement from and then we um, made one duet in which we wanted to make it look like all of my movement was causing her movement okay and then we kind of forgot all that and we made a second duet in which the exact same movements mm -hmm. but we wanted to make it look like her movement was causing my movement oh wow so it's sort of so how like and so it's from the same source material what does it mean to change those things mm -hmm. and then i think and this is where so this is where the different um the different mindsets sit for me is that in research you sort of like lay out an argument you're like okay what's a and then how do we get to b and then how do we get to c and how do we get to d right there's so there's this linear logic right and i would say that in the dance making experience there's a moment where you you let go of the linearity and you have to sort of step back and be like, okay, what's the whole thing? Mm -hmm. 
like what's going, what is going on in this dance? Mm -hmm. And then it's not necessarily a system of like, okay, well, what, what's A, B, and then C, and then D. It's like, okay, what, I have to come to know what the dance is. Mm -hmm. And then there, and then from that, there becomes an internal logic of some sense or an internal tuition, intuition about, uh, well, I think we need to change this. We need to spend more time here or, I think let's, uh, let's, you did that before, but let's change it to be this. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't necessarily say that like why those changes need to happen based on the thing that's before or why, but just knowing like the overall, the overall vibe or aboutness or wholeness of the dance, mm -hmm. um, sort of speaks to leads to a certain decision-making so that's, so it's, for me, it's getting in those two things. It's like one tends to be like, how do you go step by step? Right. And the other is about how do you step back and look at the whole? Wow. So I think uh, what, I, what I made sense of, I'm just going to reiterate it in a, in a little lesser words and try and see if that works. And correct me if I'm wrong there. <laughs> Uh, so I think you're talking about using research and uh, sort of going micro when it comes to research work, sort of uh, looking at it at a micro level to see, analyze whether, you know, each element fits in perfectly with the other and sort of has an argument that is linear and logical uh, in, the, in its progression. Whereas when it comes to creation and performing and choreographing, you're more at the macro level. You step back, you take 10 steps back, 20 steps back to see what the bigger picture looks like, what the ulterior motive is and whether your ulterior motive is being justified and it's being answered uh, or not. Um, I think that's what I kind of got from the argument. And I think that's a very, I think that's a very interesting approach if you ask me, because even doing those two also, I think are quite difficult in themselves. Uh, because you have to train your mind in a certain way in order to be able to go micro or even step 10 step, you know, take 10 steps back. Um, so I think that's uh, something I would definitely try and take up for my own self and see if that works for me first. <laughs> but for the ones who are already into research and who are also trying to continue their practice, see if this lens and this change of lens works for you and do drop in some comments and let us know if actually it has done you any good. If you have any other suggestion, excuse me, any other suggestions on how we can manage the two, please feel free, feel free to put that in the chat as well. I would definitely take it up with Matthew and ask him what he thinks about that too. Um, and yeah, that, and can I, yeah. Go can ahead. I just, can I just say one thing? Yeah. So, um, cause it's really, I mean, it's helpful to kind of talk about these things and I, I, I guess I just want to be, or one thing that I would follow up on to say is that the, um, and I appreciate that macro micro, mm -hmm. but it, um, and to be, I guess I would say just to clarify that it's not necessarily about um, the scope of the content because certainly you could do research but handle like a really big topic. Right. Right. So it's not like it's not like the research is on a micro topic and the dance making is on a macro topic. Right. But it is really about that like way of knowing or like one thing that I might say is that um, in research we often have to decompose mm -hmm. our experience into um, different parts, right? So we have to have concepts and they have to have operational definitions. And then we have to like define the relationships between the concepts that mm -hmm. in research, we often have to decompose our experience into parts. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in dance, we get to leave our experience as whole, right? We leave it as complex and interconnected. 
so and I think but I think that's also that sort of macro micro thing that we sort of have to m- m- take apart I know in research where in dance we allow it to stay together so yeah Thank you for you know adding that note. I think you're absolutely right. There needs to be a distinction between whether we can do micro macro research or not. And you're absolutely right. This has nothing to do with the topic of research, but rather the the way that the research methodology works and the way that you know creation of choreography works in itself. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out for us. Um, on that note, Matthew, this brings us to the end of part one of our interview series, and I haven't really enjoy talking about research is probably as much as i've done today with you if i have any more follow up questions i think i'm definitely going to bring you back onto the podcast and have more discussions on this thank you all for tuning into movement and me an initiative that is designed for budding artists across the world to continue receiving notifications on our latest episode please subscribe to our youtube channel natya mandalam or look us up on apple podcast or spotify for more information i'm your host niharika and i'll see you all next